0: When you're building a program to, to transition kids to college, a lot of times you can, the culture is fluid and it, and it changes. And we wanted to make sure that it was really solid for all of our kids from 9 through 12.
1: Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the PASS Foundation, and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. This is Annalise Corbin, your host of Learning Unboxed, and I am excited today to share with you more of our ongoing conversation about middle college, early college, um, early access programs into post secondary that we've had the privilege to be able to see, to explore, and to think about around the country and other parts of the world. And my guest today is a really innovative and wonderful leader in that Base that I uh, was so fortunate to have the opportunity not only to meet, but to actually go see his program, see his school. And so joining us today is Brian Sean, who is the current principal of Clackamas Middle College, which is a fabulous school outside of Portland, Oregon. Brian comes to us with over 23 years of experience as an educator. Uh, He was a teacher. uh, He's been a leader, um, an innovator, uh, heavily involved in transformative education in a variety of ways um, throughout his experience, both in traditional and in charter public schools. And so his passion is in working with students, teachers and administrators and state leaders really to provide seamless transitions from K-12 education into post-secondary for all stakeholders. And for those of you that listen on a regular basis, you will know that those topics are near and dear to me. So, Brian, thank you very much for joining us today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. This is exciting to talk about um, education. Like I said, we need to really do this more often. <laughs>
1: So absolutely, and that's the the entire purpose of learning unboxed is to really go out there into the world, find great examples of folks that are just quite frankly doing really amazing things. And for full transparency for our listeners, as I said, I was I was very fortunate to stumble across you and what's happening at the Clackamas Middle College last fall um, and some work. Um, for those who've been listening to the other um, podcasts, we've been talking a lot about our colleagues and our friends up in Alaska. And And it was actually bringing um, folks from the Alaska Project down into the lower 48, as they like to put it, um, that I found Brian and the program at Clackamas Middle College. And in bringing them down to sort of see what other folks in their region are doing inside of that middle college or early college acceleration space. And I have to admit, Brian, I was blown away By your program. And I don't say that lightly for folks that know me. I've seen so many crazy and amazing innovations in education around the world that that's not something I say very often. And I have told many people since you and I um, first had that visit, if you want to see something really innovative, go see Brian and what's happening outside of Portland. So I'm very excited again to, to have you here. And I would love for you to sort of just give us a general overview of what Clackamas Middle College is, because the reality of it is when we step back and think about acceleration programs, despite the labels that we often will put on things, you know, at the end of the day, it boils down to how you, the user, and those who have created the programs really define them. So, so what exactly is the Clackamas Middle College in your own words? Well,
0: Clackamas Middle College, I, I think, you know, we're in, going into our seventeenth year of seventeenth year of existence, and we started. Um, kind of as what a traditional, um, I guess you could say a middle college um, was, is we, we, we were on a college campus um, and we were serving students that really weren't represented in the traditional K through 12 system. And then as time kind of went on, we kind of started morphing into kind of the early college piece where we're like, well, we have these kids that we're really servicing well and we're giving them experiences that they're not normally getting in the traditional system. And we're trying to give them access to... To the college piece, as we were picking up steam and starting to add more more structure and, and learning from um, our experience, we started to kind of say, hey, we can get these kids more college credits and we can also get them their degree when they're with us. So we've kind of morphed from the traditional middle college to early college model. So we're kind of a blend in both of those. Um, And what we're hoping to do is get kids when they're ready at ninth grade for for high school to build their skills and slowly transition them up to full-time college students. So by the time they graduate in four years, they're able to get, hopefully we're shooting for their, their college degree and high school diploma. Or if they fall short of that, they're getting a significant amount. Amount of college credits and their high school diplomas so that when they leave us they're they're feeling comfortable they've gone through all the process we've provided a lot of guidance support into their next steps so that they feel confident and, and comfortable with moving forward and saying hey I'm ready to, to, to go to the next step in post-secondary education so that's kind of the the gist of of our school on how we do things and, and there's a lot of details in there on how we scaffold kids to get ready for college but that's kind of in a in a gist that's kind of how it how it works
1: and I think that that one of the things that really appealed to me there are very few very strict definition Middle colleges left around the country. The majority of them, that, you know, like the Clackamas program that have been around for great lengths of time, have a tendency to morph and become closer to what we might by definition call an early college or some hybridization um, thereof. That's a, a fairly common thing that happens over time. And at the end of the day, the reason that we see that that happens is to something that you already touched on, but I really want to dig in because one of the things that I loved about the the variation that your program represents is the recognition that for students to truly be successful in that sort of 11th and 12th grade or or, or true college sort of experience before they leave the K-12 system requires that they have a level of readiness uh, to be able to get there. And to then do that in a sort of equitable, equal opportunity sort of approach means that we have to modify the way we think of our programming around readiness to get more kids to take advantage of that And so that then moves that sort of middle college, early college experience down into that 9, 10 space, and in some cases, even down into middle school. So can we talk a little bit, Brian, about sort of the work that you do in in the earlier pieces as it relates to student readiness um, for your programming? What does that look like for you guys?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think we wouldn't be able to do this if we weren't a charter school and able to kind of approach education in a different different way. And then our partnership with our school district, North Clackamas School District, and then our community college, Clackamas Community College, has really grown into kind of, for me, setting up the structure of what it can look like to get kids ready or college ready for, you know, when they're juniors and seniors and then when they leave us. So it's a very complex problem as far as, okay, you just can't throw juniors and seniors on Mm -hmm. the college campus. So we had to step backwards, like you said, and go to the earlier grades. And when we get kids, we're like, okay, Let's let's kind of set up the structure where we really want to try to hit a lot of the college readiness skills that we can, or at least create college readiness skills um, from our perspective. And one thing that we did was to get a foundation for what that would look like. Is we did some research um, into a lot of what David Conley did and into what makes a successful college student when they get to a university or a community college. And then he had four steps for that. One was cognitive strategies. One was content knowledge. One was learning skills and techniques. And What was the transition and the matriculation from a high school student to college? So those four areas kind of give us a foundation um, of, okay, this is what we need to do to get our kids ready for that next step. And so we started adding in the color a little bit to the picture into how it personally fits with us. And we started with our ninth grade and um, we got kids into advisories based on their grade level. And we really um, were able to take a model. Um, The traditional model where there's a counselor with a high number of students to breaking it down into teachers working with kids and all staff members working with kids Mm -hmm. in these advisories to really prepare them for these college um, readiness skills outside of the academic classroom because we felt we were doing a good job in the classroom but outside of the classroom it was was like well we can't rely on a counselor to meet the needs of all of these vast amounts of kids so we really got on board as a staff and came together and said okay what do we want to do and came up with some core values and beliefs and really came up with a mission together and and that mission really took hold into the culture of our school because when you're building a program to to transition kids to college a lot of times you can the culture is fluid and it it changes. And we wanted to make sure that it was really solid for all of our kids from 9th through 12, but especially for our 9th and 10th and 11th grade kids as we prepare them um, for the college readiness. So we did that advisory, and we called it College Readiness Seminar, that really worked on those key learning skills and techniques that a lot of people would attribute to those soft learning skills. And and we really focused on, okay, what do those kids need at the next level? And so we researched and, and talked to our kids that we were actually starting to go to college and said, What, what do you need that's going to make you successful or that makes you successful at the college level? And we backpedaled a little bit and they, they told us, Well, <laughs> there's, there's, there's persistence, there's time management, and there's organization. And so we looked at those and created rubrics for our ninth and tenth graders and eleventh and twelfth graders. Mm-hmm. And then we created a process for as kids are getting these skills, both academically in the classroom and these key learning skills and techniques, they're starting to show this readiness. And then we created a process for transition that every term, and we're on the trimester system, um, we put a list of kids up um, through this deliberate process through our college readiness seminar class of who is ready and who is not ready based on those specific rubrics. And so we were able to pick top 25 kids, um, and a lot of times there could be 70 kids that were nominated, but the top 25 that we felt best represented us and themselves as far as College Ready, and then we started to transition them to the next level, um, and that really definitely helped. And um, the next level was was something that's really interesting because we wanted to make sure that those kids had those skills moved forward, but that we kind of took a lot of pressure off of their shoulders by they didn't have to worry about scheduling, or they didn't have to worry about teachers, or they didn't have to worry about building our classrooms, we would set that up for them. And then we really provided guidance and support for that transition. So in a year's time, when they went through that program, that they were ready to go to the next step, which is full-time college. And so mm-hmm. we, we created steps and scaffolding along the way, but just because of a necessity. And it's, it's aimed to be really, really successful for us. And we've been trying to improve it ever since.
1: And actually, that was one of the things that I was most impressed by and intrigued by at the same time, because... I've seen a, a, any number of, I, I guess, uh, attempts is the right way to put this, uh, at what you were talking about. But I'd never seen, I'd never seen what I would think of as a, as an onboarding opportunity for students at, that was quite as scaffolded or as successful. I would say as the piece that you have put in play, that sort of transitional piece. And I loved. The notion that you know, as students become ready for that, they, be, they they are nominated. And keeping in mind that every kid, I'll be really really clear with our listeners, every kid who is at Clackamas Middle College, the is is expe- is expected, and there's this anticipation um, that they are going to be successful in. All aspects of the program that the school, you know, lives and breathes, and so you there's there's no expectation that some kids never gonna quite make it, right? So the culture itself, back to your point, really lends itself to seeing that student success. But then this scaffolded program, and I do want to dig into that a little bit, if we could, because I think that the folks listening are gonna be really really curious about how you do that. And when I had the chance to speak to several of um, the students. I heard over and over again from them as well that that was the thing that made the difference. When I said, "Why do you think you're being successful in your college classes?" they always came back to to that transitional piece. So, could you could we dig in just a little bit, Brian, and and give us some more details about how you have that set up?
0: Yeah, um, and that's that's a great, great lead in. Um, I think the big thing that we came together to realize is okay we can take what's working in traditional public education and we can really be innovative and create a structure to allow this to happen. And that's really the first step is just to set up that structure for movement from kids from one level to the other. And that takes a lot of work from behind the scenes. But once, and, and obviously being a charter school and the partnership with our college and, and our district really helped allow us to do that and be autonomous to create that. And then we really came together and then and in the inside of the building, we said, okay, we really want to create this culture and our mission, Um, and we all got together, students, staff, adults, to create a a mission statement that just really hits on inclusiveness, Mm -hmm. innovation, challenging, and that really prepares students on a personal level for independent learning, and and, and the independent learning is key for us because we want to make sure that, you know, we identified students being independent or being dependent. And so through our rubrics and through our through our whole process, we really were able to focus on that. And so, yeah, kids would be able to um, make that transition from high school when they showed that they were really grasping the concepts and the skills to um, really get set up for that next level. So yeah, it, it, it's, it just, it kind of came about as being, okay, like I said, we can't just set kids up and, and let them go. We have to really provide that scaffolding. So from Back in the day, we really kind of came together and said, this is really what we want to do. And so everybody's on deck with really working with our kids and and collaborating and working. So our staff deserves a lot of credit in that as well, to be able to come together and really, really match our core values and beliefs with the mission and vision of what we want to do. And so, yeah, students will, will just plug away in their classes and we're just going to be assessing them on what skills they have. Um, And then once they master those skills, then we start that transition um, into the college level. And we developed it with the college, and then we had to add a little bit of more scaffolding every, every, little, every year that we were there to make it more successful for them. But all kids really push each other. And, and that's the most important thing is the high expectations that we have. And I'm a firm believer that if we do have those high expectations for everybody, everyone can meet it. But we just need to make sure the ones that might not be ready yet, we're providing the support for. But the nature of the system and, and what we created and the culture that we created is like you mentioned earlier, the kids push each other mm-hmm. to get to that, to, over that bar. And they they really see this as, okay, this is something more that I can shoot for while I'm in high school. And it's kind of that like that golden ring that everybody wants to get. And everybody's on the same level as far as that's what they want to do, because they don't want to have their friends move up before them. So it kind of right. creates this healthy level of competition. But at the same point in time, the kids that don't make it in, we're able to pull back and say, okay, these are the specific reasons why you didn't make it in. And that involves self assessment on these rubrics on the, on the behalf of the kids, communication with their parents, communication with their advisors, and all teachers to really try to help them um, get, get over that bar. And so it creates a really healthy competitive environment. Mm-hmm. And most of our kids are able to get up and beyond that because we're really trying to look at the ones that didn't make it up and what are the next steps for them rather than the ones that did. We're going to continue servicing them and, and providing support and guidance for them, obviously. But the ones that didn't are like, how do we make sure that this is equitable for all kids and we're able to provide the support for all, every kid to do that? So it can, I think the environment and the structure really leads to that, that competitiveness and that, that ability for everybody to strive for that.
1: And it's, it's a real community, um, sort of atmosphere when you're there. And so, you know, for, for, for folks listening, you know, it's a, it's a small school. Um, you know, and you have kids who come in at, you know, many different levels of readiness when, when they, they enter your program, correct?
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is we have kids. I mean, we like to have kids come to us when they're in ninth grade, but oftentimes there's kids that might transfer in because we are a public charter school, so we have to accept kids when they come to us. So they have a a various level of, of skill levels and experiences, and so... We try to plug them into the, to the advisory, the grade level advisor that they're at, and really try to build from that. And a big piece of that is just really making sure kids are aware of the whole process and what it, what it entails. Because I never came from a system like this, but mm-hmm. I wish I could have had something like this to push. <laughs> <laughs> me a little bit harder because I was just kind of going with the flow in the regular traditional education that hasn't changed right. much over the last hundred years or so. And, and, and it was just, it, it's a really good, just a way to approach um, students because everybody comes at a different level, like you said. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to move up at a different time and level mm-hmm. based on what their needs are. So we focus on the individual themselves, but we also um, take into account um, where they're coming from and, and where they're at. And, you know, there's some kids that go through our system for, you know, three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And then the last couple of terms, they're able to show that progress to get a couple terms of college, which is fantastic. Um, and they've grown a lot in that time to be able to make that step. So yeah, they come at all different levels, um, but we're able to kind of work with them and meet them where they're at to try to really create that independent learner to move on to, to the next level.
1: Yeah, and those kids are really, really proud of themselves. And you could watch it, you know, sort of stretched all across the board. And, you know, everything from talking to the kid who, you know, f- for a whole host of reasons was able to get access very early on in their experience. And and so, you know, we're earning many, many college credits to, you know, the kid, like you said, who was only going to have a few under their belt by the time they finished. And when I was there, I got to talk to kids, you know, on all ends of that spectrum. And and, you know, universally, um, the the kids that I spoke to, you know, they they all said the same thing that when it came time to take that first college fully independent, college course and we're going to come back to to that in a second that they they were confident to do so and they it may have been you know a little bit of fear uh, around the edges but there was no fear about actually taking the leap and so that was a really impressive thing to be able to see that the kids were confident that they had been given you know all the skills that they needed and every opportunity to be successful but the other piece of it and i think that this really gets to some of the culture of your school piece is that, you know, University of the Kids also told me that they felt like they could go to the faculty at any time if they were struggling and find people to help them. Because the faculty is very, very invested in those kids individually. And I think some of that has to do with the way you've structured that advisory and the way you've structured the interaction that your faculty broadly has with the kids. Now, it is a relatively small school. So what, what are your, just for our listeners, what are the, the student and, and teacher ratios as it relates to the total numbers um, that you've got in the building and what's going on?
0: Yeah, we have 300 students total, um, and then we have it broken up. Like I said, the scaffolding, the three types of programs are basically entry-level programs as our college prep program, and anybody that comes to us every year will start in that program, and that's basically a microcosm of any high school across the country um, of kids. You'll see your high flyers, you'll see your kids that are in the middle, and you'll see your kids that are just maybe one step from dropping out, and they want to try your program to see if it's working, and that's, that's kind of how that kind of starts out. So you get a lot of different, different people right away coming into your program, but it's, it's really interesting how, um, that really transcends itself into giving them opportunities that they may never have had at, at, at a traditional school that they transfer into us. But yeah, they'll come into us and, and then our advisors just really get to know them and have a, a, an emotional connection mm-hmm. to them. And you can see that when we're talking about sending kids up, advisors feel like they are the one that, that, that can advocate for the student best. And that's kind of the setup. That's one of the goals of the advisors to make sure every kid has a, has a, has a person that knows them really well. And having 300 kids allows us to do that. So in our college prep program, we have about 150 kids in the beginning of the year in that program. So roughly about half of our kids are going through that process of, you know, working hard, um, learning about, you know, college readiness skills, you know, meeting with advisors, meeting with teachers, really creating that sense of community. And then throughout... The year, um, they will transition to our next program, which isn't full-time prime time ready for college, but is showing the academic skills that they're they're they have they've, they've they're, they're proficient enough or mastered the high school piece. Now we're ready to kind of step on to the college piece because they're showing that they're they're starting to move into that proficiency there, and that's our pathways to college program that really, like I said, gives them an opportunity to learn. <laughs> in classes with each other and the small cohorts really help because they want each other to work and collaborate and take a college, uh, college courses, core college courses from college instructors together for three terms. And then once they show that they're ready for that, then they will move into our last program, which is our college extended options, which is full-time college. Um, and then they have an advisor and a counselor assigned to them to meet with them regularly a couple times, two to three times every term, specifically about their plan and where they're going and what courses they're taking and making sure that mm-hmm. they understand the whole registration process and all of the logistics that go behind 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 getting a kid from high school to college. Um, so it's kind of a scaffold uh, piece, which is really nice. And we have about, like, like I said, 150 in our college prep program. In our transition program, our Pathways to College program, we have about 75 kids. And then the rest of the kids from 50 to 100 every year we have in our college extended options um, program. So that's kind of how it's broken up. And I think our Small, smallness our, mm-hmm. and our size really allows us to connect with kids and make it a personalized journey for them and, and also for our staff as well. I think that's important.
1: Yeah. And so I think that as, um, as other folks out in the world contemplate what they're, they're hearing you talk about, my guess is one of the things that they're going to both be curious about and, and, and also want to roll up their sleeves maybe and dig in a little bit is the pathways to college piece. And again, one of the things that I found really intriguing about the way you had that structured was the way you developed the curriculum for that piece of your program. So could we dig, dig in just a little bit and talk about that? So, you know, you jointly created that experience with your post-secondary partner. Can we talk a little bit about what, what the nuts and bolts of that look like? Because I think that that's one of those places where the kids really saw success because you were very deliberate about the way you design the sets of courses that those students go through while they're sort of in that transition space.
0: Yeah and it's and it's been quite the evolution over the years but I think we've, we we have it fine tuned enough where it's really really successful for the kids but we started with back like I said when we were like in a traditional middle school or middle college model mm-hmm. we started with that okay what We need to give kids access to college. How do we do that? And we started with some classes that weren't as academic to set up for, okay, and how many terms should they be taking these before they, you know, take courses just kind of on their own um, by themselves. And so that cohort model was a huge piece of of what needed to happen when kids move to that next level. If they're moving by themselves, it's not going to be as successful as if they're in a group together and we can focus on them. So the big piece was, okay, we're going to move our kids together to the college campus. Solely our kids are going to take courses by college instructors. And so that took some time to figure out what that would look like with our college. And then they were also going to take um, it evolved into, let's get them entry-level college courses because mm-hmm. they're showing academically they're ready. Um, their college readiness skills look good. Let's go ahead and try to introduce them into what they need for their um, associate's degree or their transfer degree. And so we we thought, well, the term one can look, you know, like they need a public speaking, a mm-hmm. COM 100 class. Mm-hmm. And so we got an instructor for that that knew high school kids, but also taught the college level and college courses as well. And then we were like, well, obviously writing is a big component and we worked on writing in our college prep program very heavily and integrated with all of our teachers and advisors. And we even worked with it in our advisory class. Mm-hmm. So we felt that when we set kids up, we're like, well, they're ready for the writing 121, the uh, English composition course, which is basic core course in college or university. And then we started to fill in the gaps of their schedule with high school classes that they may need. Um, If they needed a math class, they could take a math class back in our building. If they needed a requirement such as a youth take action that gets kids out in the community to provide service to the community or a senior internship, they Mm -hmm. would be plugged into those. But then the last piece that I think really came together is to follow these kids through that transition program. We needed someone assigned to them and that we have, fortunately, we're able to provide resources and see the importance of having counselors and guidance and support for kids mm-hmm. outside of the classroom. So we have three counselors for 300 kids, which is a pretty good ratio right. when you look at high schools across the country. And this person that was responsible for these kids would be able to follow them for three terms and also provide a class to two classes a week to really help them with that transition. So they would go over anything from, okay, how do you speak to your college instructor what does it look like to get over to the college campus? How do you integrate with other college adult students and to, to the simple things of okay we're going to work on time management we're going to continue working on persistence we're going to continue working on organization and she or at least our counselor, she provided a great buffer mm-hmm. um, to the to the college instructors, so that they would all be on the same team and the same same page when it when it comes to really helping these kids advance from one term to the next. And then that would be one term, which is, ends up being around twelve to fourteen weeks of a trimester. Then they would move to the next term if they were successful mm-hmm. and take. Uh, foreign language course or take a Writing 122, a continuation from the writing course. And then she would still be plugged in to them every year, every term, every week to make sure that the kids are getting their needs met socially and academically. And then they would transfer to a third term with um, some other courses that would be a continuation of their foreign language course, a history 201 lecture style format for kids to get used to. Um, And then she would be in touch with them again, weekly, -weekly, biweekly, and even individually. She meets with them individually to make sure that not only as a group are they are they moving along, but individually. Mm-hmm. And some kids, you know, hit, hit some tough times and, yeah. and we provide support for them. And then if it continues, we bring them back in building and we build them up again and then we start moving them on again. So it's kind of a fluid process that's specific to individual kids. But I think the counselor... The partnership with the college and just kind of the vision of what do these kids need on that pathways to college let's give them those those classes and the support they need to make sure that that year is successful so that when they get done with that year they're ready to step foot on on the main campus take courses with any instructor by themselves or if they're taking it with you know a, a student from CMC grade whatever they're moving towards their degree or or towards their future and what they want to want to go into after high school so that's kind of the nuts and bolts of how it was set up. And it's taken, like I said, the evolution over, over time to figure out what the important um, specifics of, of that program were. But like I said, the structure, setting up the structure is like the biggest piece mm-hmm. of it all.
1: Yeah, it's the heaviest lift, but it's also that foundational piece that's the most meaningful um, at the end of the day, uh, long term. So a point of clarification, because I'm sure folks are wondering, so some of those pathways to college courses are full independent collegiate credit, but uh, some of them, many folks would assume are also going to be a dual credit opportunity. Um, Is that the case?
0: Yes. All of them are dual credit for sure for us. Um, and that's the nice thing about that. They can get high school or college credit for those courses um, taught by a community college instructor. And in that in that program specifically, like I said, they're all moving together. So they all lean on each other and work with each other and, and really form this wonderful relationship and collaboration because they're together for a year um, to get through that. So that's really nice. And In the three terms in that program, um, the kids can get up to 27 college credits, um, which is really nice. And it's about, I think, 3.8, probably about five high school credits um, when they're in that term. So yeah, the dual Mm -hmm. um, college high school credit really definitely uh, helps us us with
1: that. And the other thing that I thought was really wonderful about the way you've structured this piece of the partnership and the fact that you crafted this transitional piece, the, the Pathways to College piece, really hand-in-hand hand with your college partner. So it wasn't just that the high school goes to college and says, hey, we think we need these courses. And oh, by the way, we want a collegiate person to, to instruct them. You crafted them right out of the gate, as I understand it, together, right? So, so you had an equal investment in the long-term success of the students, but also the program itself because of the way you very specifically tailored your partnership, correct?
0: Yes, it was a, it was definitely a trial by fire in the early days with both our district and the college because we were doing something that has never been done. And they were like, what are you doing? doing? And we're like, oh, we want to try this. And, and in time, they let us do it, but we weren't right quite there. And so mm-hmm. we had some successes and some failures that they kind of saw. And then they came to the table and said, well, these are our kids too. So we're all invested. And then throughout time, we've developed this wonderful relationship where we are meeting, you know, mm-hmm. every every month to talk about, you know, our kids and then the programs and setting up the structure and the courses and the, and the instructors. And so we've done that together. But like I said, it's been through through trial through fire to make sure we've been through the ups and the downs with our district and our college. And I think we've come out the other end, like you said, to really be a strong partner with them, mm-hmm. but also collaborated towards something that we're all investing in, which is our kids, to, to be successful at that next level.
1: Right. And and just also, I think, because again, I, I, I can sort of see the trailing list of questions that folks are frantically jotting down as they're, they're listening. And so I want to anticipate a few of those. But one of, one of, one of the ones that I know that folks are are, are are curious about is so Clackamas Middle College, as you as you indicated, is a private uh, a public charter. I'm gonna clarify, Great. but and it works in partnership with the district. But the kids who come to your school come from more than just the Clackamas School District. Is that correct?
0: Correct. We have kids. We're right outside the Portland um, uh, Mm -hmm. proper area. So we get kids from all over the Portland metro area. And I would say we're about, 65% of our kids come from within our school district boundaries, Mm -hmm. but about 35% come from outside, which is the whole Portland metro area. And then we have kids coming from various miles and and from all over the place. So that's kind of cool because we're able to open it up to other schools with our charter law in Oregon. It allows us to accept any kid from wherever as long as we're providing services and we're meeting that standard.
1: Right. And one of the other questions I know that folks always have, and because I was there, I saw with my own eyes, I, I can definitely verify, oftentimes what happens to these programs, as you well know, is they become very, um, very elitist in the sense that they tend to attract the highest performing students. And so therefore, they become these very, very high performing programs, and they really don't meet the needs of a broad, diverse population. That is not the case at Clackamas um, College. So when you go there, you step in the doors, you see an incredible array of diversity across Across, uh, the ways that one might measure that. And so it's, it's a really, really diverse group of students, of, of faculty, of population. It's, it's, it's right uh, you know, in the crux of things in the community. And so how is it that you have been able to maintain that so that it doesn't become one thing or another? You know, the what doesn't matter. But, but you've done a really good job historically of ensuring that this program has very broad appeal And access to many different kinds of students. How do you do that?
0: that's the big thing. I mean, for for us as a school, I I feel like you're only as good as the kids that you're letting in. And, and for us, it wouldn't be successful if we weren't opening our doors to everybody and really trying to make it work for everybody. And that's a huge thing. And from all over too, I mean, that, that's a real, if our system is going to stand the test of time, it's going to be able to take any type of kid and provide services and support too. So it has been a challenge because yeah, you get your kids that you know, are on track that are, you know, high flyers that really want to get that college mm-hmm. piece, but even they need support and guidance right. in that transition. And so we make sure that we're supporting their needs, but the other students that, that may have a disability or a language issue, or maybe they may have some behavioral issues that, that, that have carried in from another school, we really try to break that down and create a culture where they feel that we really, really know them. We just did, we do so much work on really setting school culture and affirming identity and equity. And we were fortunate enough to do a survey this year where we got our results back. And this was just our college prep program. We didn't even do our, our, our college transition programs or our college programs. We had 84% of our kids in the 84th percentile our school culture was ranked as. And that was ranked nationally and it also compared to our school district. And that was something we spent a lot of time building. It's, if we're going to have every type of kid come in here, we have to be, be sure that we affirm their identity and we connect with every one of those kids and really provide the support so that they feel successful. And they can actually make that move because they're showing college readiness at some level, at some level. And with that comes the creation of another program within our Pathways to College program. And that's, we have students that may not be going, transferring to a a university. And so we want to make sure that we're meeting their needs. And so we created a a career technical program within our Pathways program um, where and then a transfer track where kids that were really solely interested in, in the in the university track or post secondary education at that level. We 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 wanted to make sure we met their needs, but also the courses within the career technical program were also, you know, filtering those out as well. And kids are able to from their freshman year or when they transfer to us really dive into this, the, the tool. We use a Holland code for them to really match up their their interests, their skills, their aspirations with career fields and with 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 jobs and with the university programs that actually meet those needs and so that we're able to see before they go into our pathways programs and they're showing readiness into that we're able to see what program best fits their personality and their skill set and so our career technical program has really helped to meet the needs of our whole student body um, and we would offer foundation courses such as COM 100 Basic Communications a Writing 101 Technical Writing a Psychology 101 that Human Relations that all kids need for our degree anyways and then we have a counselor assigned to them as well to make sure that we're really getting on track with that and the fun part to that program to really keep a hook in their mouth is the elective courses we have a manufacturing course that's just called Adventures in Technology mm-hmm. where they do a little automotive of a little welding Um, we have a horticulture career exploration we have a wildland fire program and we have digital media communications and we're consistently working with new types of electives with our college to make sure that we're trying to meet the needs of all of our kids and so that's a path that some of our kids go into and it's proven successful and it really really answers that question can you serve all kids and the answer is yes we can we just need to make sure that we're ahead we're innovative and we're really trying to meet the needs of our kids
1: And the other thing is that you have to be a community that's willing to get it wrong as often as you strive to get it right and to recognize that when you don't quite have it, that you're going to tweak it, you're going to modify it in the best interest of kids. And you guys have clearly spent a lot of time over the last 17 years doing that over and over again without fear. And so to be able to do that means you have to have the right people involved. And so what I, you know, see and get asked all the time when I am doing this work in schools is administrators, community folks asking over and over again, how do you find the right teachers? How do you find the right faculty and staff to do the things you aspire to do? So, Brian, how do you, how do you hire? That's a fundamental thing people always want to know. How do you do it?
0: Well, I think I think being a charter school helps because you have candidates that are really interested in, you know, that the learning unbox theory or thinking outside yeah. the box type of cliche that you want to say for that, but you really want people that are are interested and ready for the challenge of changing, which is scary to a mm, lot of people, and being innovative <laughs> and stepping up to something they've never like I said, I haven't experienced a charter a school or or a middle college or a transition like this ever. But I was willing to step outside and create something that I felt was was going to better meet the needs of of, of, of the kids that come to us, and I think our teachers and our staff and support staff and secretaries and counselors they've all, they're all on board with that and. If 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 it's too overwhelming, we're we're doing it together. Or if we're we're changing too fast, we're doing it together. And we have a lot of diagnostics that we use to make to allow me to see, okay, are we getting a little extended here? Do we need to pull back? Do we need to really, you know, dive into this for longer? And so it's I kind of sit back and read the gauges and just make sure that everything's balancing out. But it's definitely hiring those people that are gonna meet the needs of our kids and are up for the challenge Mm -hmm. and they take the and they make the choice to be there and they're not just Placed here from a from a school district, and that's that's been a huge key for us, and it's very successful.
1: And so then, as you sort of think about the next iteration, what what's the next big piece for Clackamas Middle College um, in terms of the things that you're either aspiring to or the the the, the shifts that you want to make? What's next for you?
0: yeah I think for me it's to 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 continually improve every year i mean we try to try to make decisions based on the data that we get from our kids and so that's a huge thing and and I think creating a data based decision informed school is really important because you're not reacting to the old school of you know, a lot of schools do implementation or planning and implementation and they go back the years over and they go planning and there's no evaluation and there's no predicting of what's going to be ahead. And so I think that's a big piece is to really master that and we're getting better and our teachers are, are a part of it and our staff's part of it and we're all on board to really look at this data and say, okay, this isn't working um, or our mission, we said we're doing this, are we doing it and this doesn't show and, and we're, we're willing to improve and, and change that. Um, and then outside of, of CMC, other than getting better and improving and better meeting the needs of our kids um, is is to try to expand it into a, um, a middle school program that can because if we can teach these concepts at an earlier age mm-hmm. and feed them and transition them into high school I feel like you know in the four-year model of, of graduating kids I think we can get those kids what they need a little bit more than than we could if we just start them in ninth grade mm-hmm. so that's a big thing and then also if there's a possibility to Disseminate our information and replicate our schools around the state. Um, that would be a cool thing to do. So there's a lot of a lot of things on on in the future, but I think it's just kind of solidifying and and, and perfecting what we're doing. And that's always going to be the case where we're always going to be improving. But it allows us um, an opportunity to step back and say, okay, how can we make this better? How can we have a middle school that feeds into us? Because we're measured, unfortunately, with, by what everybody else is measured with—the four-year graduation yep, rate—and yep. we're doing the high school and college at the same time. And we were offering for some of our kids that may have transferred to us a little bit later, or that may have struggled at one point in time. We wanted to offer them a fifth year option to continue with that. But when the state's Mm -hmm. measuring your success by four years, we had to dial it back. And so we're getting a lot of our kids, a ton of college credit and and the majority of them are getting their um, associate's Mm -hmm. degree but it's become harder and harder because we're measured by a system that's a little bit different. So that's kind of frustrating. But when we, when I look at the last 10 years that I've been keeping track of this data as far as the college and once we feel like we had the system down, we've graduated, I think, in 10 years, 770 kids and 300 of them have graduated with an associate's degree. Wow, congratulations. Uh, and, and
1: then, wow. Yeah, and every one of them
0: get college credit. And yeah. we're, There's a lot, a lot of kids that are right. And we had 183 of them are right to 60 to 89 college credits. So mm-hmm. If we had a feeder system, then we can pretty much ensure that all kids are going to get either a certificate um, Mm -hmm. and go out in the workforce and be successful or get their degree and and go on to post-secondary education and feel like they can do this because they've been doing it for the last four years.
1: Well, and I certainly applaud that. And we, we, you know, I, I... You know, from our conversations that you and I have had before, we certainly advocate for that. And what we see over and over again is, you know, very successful early college, uh, middle college uh, programs. You, you know, to your point, you have to build that feeder, and so you have to change the way you think about readiness. And changing readiness means you have to push down, right? And and back to yeah. your point, because unfortunately, uh, better or worse, we all live inside of a system uh, that requires that we we play to it rather than it. Ad- that. To the actual, you know, needs we're living in today. Uh, it's just, the, you know, sort of part of the reality that we have to cope with. So to your point, it's harder to take that fifth year um, option to make it fly, but we always have the option, uh, you know, to move it back down. And so we certainly right. encourage that um, frequently over and over again. Every chance I get, right. I tell folks, go down, go down, middle school, middle school, right. middle school. So <laughs> I applaud you for that. So very quickly, as we wrap up here, um, I'm getting the signal from the production team. Um, so what, um, what, what might your partner Starting sort of lobby, I like to end every one of these conversations with folks that are scratching their heads saying, hey, what we just heard Brian talking about is awesome. I really want to do it. What's the one thing that when you started this, you wish somebody had told you something that you you, you knew that would make all the difference in the world that you want folks who are contemplating going down the road that you have traveled uh, that they should know?
0: Yeah, I would say whether you're in a traditional system or a newer, unique, innovative system like ours, um, which is a little bit different, I think you you got to definitely set the bar high and make sure that you're you're gonna you're gonna meet that. But also, it, do things to meet meet the needs of your kids. If you need to change a little bit, if you need to tweak within a traditional system, you can do a program like ours. And so, don't allow. Just because things have been done a certain way to keep doing it the same way, look at what your kids need what the, what the society needs, and really feel free to step out and and, and start doing that because that's a that 's a big piece of it and I think a lot of people are just kind of Stick with the status quo because it 's there, and that 's the only way to do it and I think if you really want to improve um, and do things differently that that you should be able to step out and, and hopefully there 's going to be more and more programs like this that people can feel comf- comfortable doing that because they 're seeing models around the country around the state or whatever it might be so I think it 's just dare to step out to meet the needs of your kids and always 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 improve and I think the core of that comes down to you know affirming everyone 's identity and making sure that you're you're really meeting the needs of not only your students, but all stakeholders, your staff, and, and coming together and sharing, sharing a common mission and vision based on core values and beliefs because that's going to set the tone for everything. So once you set the structure of it up, then, then all the work and the culture of it up, then, then it'll start you know, falling in place. So those, that's probably a big answer to what you're asking, but it, there's, there's a few nuggets that to take away from and really try to, try to push yourself as an educator or, or a leader in this, in this work.
1: Yeah, and I, I truly, truly appreciate that. And actually, I want the T shirt. So that was a quote. You know, dare to step out. I love that. Right. So um, right. I want, I want to tell you, thank you so very much both for your time and your insights, and and quite frankly for for what you do every day for for our kids. And so thank you for that. And keep keep up the good work. And I'll be really curious to see you know how many folks pick up the the, the phone or uh, give you a call or reach out by email because they heard about the amazing things that you're doing. So again, I reiterate to, to anybody listening, if you want to see something amazing, uh, make a trip um, out to the Pacific Northwest and go see Brian. So thank you again.
0: Yeah, and I want to thank you. I mean, with, like I said, we need to have more forums like this to really share our models because once we can see that things can be done differently and successful, mm-hmm. I think that's going to catch on and it'll be contagious. And um, there's a lot of great models and programs out there in, in the world and in the, in the nation and in each individual state. And I think we need to see those models and really rise to the occasion rather than continue with, you know, some of the same stuff we've been doing that may or may not work in the past. Absolutely. So thank you for the opportunity, for All
1: right, sure. You're very welcome. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.